What is up, guys? Welcome to Creeps in the Crypt. As always, I am Eric, and I'm joined by... Christian. And Sam. So, little crypt keeping before we start. Uh, please make sure your all's auto-downloads are on on Apple Podcast. Please make sure you are downloading and sharing the show and help us get the word out about our Spooky Season episodes. You guys did phenomenal with summer slaughter so <clears throat> share the love for spooky season i know it's not everybody's thing and you guys strictly are here for true crime but that'll be back soon i promise yeah it won't be too long nope but this is our this is our thing and boy am i excited about tonight's episode <laughs> i know you are um I've, <clears throat> I've had this one on the docket for forever since last year. I think you've moved it a bunch of times, right? I moved that one and then Loveland Frogman. Yes. Um, those are the two that keep getting bumped and bumped, and now we finally are doing them. I feel like it's the right time. So this is probably one of the coolest paranormal stories out there, in my opinion. What, do you, what are your all's thoughts? Based on, like, the research... The episode that we watched, um, it's, it's a little strange. It's, it's a little super strange. strange. It's a little strange of how many things all collab together. And there's a lot of different parts that there was a lot of moving parts. To yeah, this. that was the part that kind of blew me away because normally it's just like a couple of moving parts, and you're like, oh, okay. There's a couple of apparitions. There's a couple of. You know, and it works great because the new nun movie is yes. coming out. So. It's just kind of, it's a nice little tie-in. Sidebar. Yeah. Nuns really freak me out. Like, I really don't like when they do the costumes, like, for them in Spirit Halloween. Not a huge fan of it. I don't blame you. She's creepy. Yeah. So, you already know what it is from the title, but this is, if nothing else, a great ghost story. Mm-hmm. So, I would agree with that. Sam, without further ado, <laughs> let's get into this. We are heading back across the pond for this episode. We've been in Europe for a long time. Since we did uh, the Highgate Vampire. That was last spooky season. Yeah, that was last. That was last spooky season, yeah. Yeah. So that was it's last October. Yeah. It's almost been a whole year. Mm-hmm. We need to do better. I like being across the pond. <laughs> You're getting ready to be across the pond. That's why we're Hopefully. marathon recording episodes. Hopefully. Well, let's hope. No, you will. I'm sending good vibes out there for you. Thank you. So we're specifically in the Borley area of Essex, England. Borley's a tiny rural community made up of three tinier hamlets 
which I learned is what you call a community that's too small to be considered a village or a town. Huh. A hamlet. A hamlet. We live in a hamlet. It's what I would like a chicken nugget. We are a chicken nugget. Compared to the whole chicken. Like a nug. Think about it. We're too small to be... Like if the Grand Strand was the chicken, it's a nugget. Hmm. I feel like this is big enough to be a town, though. It's just unincorporated. But well, it's made up of three tinier communities. Yeah. No, I, I follow. <clears throat> so, Borley had about 110 residents at the last census. Mm. That's it. Oh, so it's like really fucking small. Okay. Everybody knows everybody. And everybody's business. And then some. They know your, they know your ancestors' his business. So, in 1862, Reverend Henry Dawson Bull was chosen to be the rector or parish priest for the Borley Church. The rectory was built to house Reverend Bull and his family, which uh, quickly grew to 14 children. Damn. First off, go read a book! Well... For a priest to have that many kids. Go read the Bible. Jesus. 14 get, get children. Get over, man. Absolutely the hell not. Well, what what period of time was this? 1862. Oh, well, like half of them are going to die from the rickets. You, you got to get those numbers up. Well, they didn't, as far as I can see. So... As their family grew, so did the rectory. They just added a new addition every time there was a child. Okay. Essentially. So it's like the Winchester Mansion, but for fucking. Yeah, I guess so. I yeah. Have, have a new kid and just slap a, a new room re- on the house. Yep, I reckon so. How'd you like to be the least favorite kid and you get the shittiest room? Oh it's, no! It's very drafty in here, Papa. Well, you shouldn't be such a shithead. No. So the land that the rectory was built on had quite the reputation. Supposedly, in 1392, a Benedictine monk and a nun from a nearby convent had fallen in love and snuck out at night to see each other. Forbidden romance. I know. It's like Romeo and Juliet. They eventually decided to run away and elope, but they were unfortunately caught by their superiors. The monk was quickly hung, and uh, the nun was not so quickly put to death. She was bricked in alive in the basement of the convent to just suffocate. It's very Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah. Casca of Montenaldo. It's one of my favorite ones. Yeah, I like the Casket of Montenaldo. Montenegro. You had it. I did? Yeah. yeah you okay. did. And then you second guessed yourself. I did. It just didn't sound right for a second. I was like, wait a minute. It's okay. Um, the, so there's no, and like no real historical backing to substantiate the monk and the nun story. It's just a fun little legend. And that's what we're about. Well, it's here. playing up the, the fact. So they touted. Uh, the Worley Rectory is the most haunted house in all of England. We'll get there. Okay. 
The first stories about the Borley Rectory being haunted began in 1863 with school kids school kids claiming that they'd seen the ghost of a nun. After the Bull family moved into the rectory, they reported strange goings on inside the house. They would hear running water inside, though the home had no indoor plumbing. One of the children, Ethel, heard footsteps and knocking on her door, and this affected her quality of sleep. Like each night, it, the knocking grew louder and louder and louder, and she just wasn't sleeping at this point. And uh, um, it grew to one night that Ethel was slapped across the face, and she actually had a red mark on her cheek. It's like poltergeist to activity. To prove it, yeah. Despite reports of seeing a floating and vanishing nun on the grounds, the Reverend and his family stayed in their home. After the death of Reverend Bull in 1892, Henry, one of his sons, took over the position. Henry saw headless ghosts and apparitions of a horse-drawn carriage, but instead of being scared, he was actually fascinated by it all. Which, same Henry. Well, the, the black carriage is... Super fucking freaky because it was like pulled by four black spectral horses and mm-hmm. the the drivers had no heads. So imagine seeing this shit just barreling towards the property. That's some like Scooby-Doo shit. Mm-hmm. I was thinking more like Dracula style shit or or like Sleepy Hollow. Yes. That's where I went with it when they said headless the headless horseman. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, super fucking strange to see like a spectral carriage just roll across the property. Be kind of cool though. It would be fucking sick. The reports of apparitions, some were harmless while others were not, continued throughout many secessions of reverends into the early 20th century. In 1927, Reverend Guy Eric Smith and his wife moved into the rectory. They discovered the skull of a young woman in the cupboards. That kick-started their paranormal experiences in the home. They saw strange lights, they heard unexplained footsteps, and they also saw the apparition of the horse-drawn carriage. Dude, just imagine you're going to get your fucking oatmeal in the morning and you there's a fucking girl's skull in your pantry. That it has it had to be like what they were moving in and like putting things in the cupboards. Still, I, I know, I know, but I mean, where did they move into? Fucking Ed Gein's house, like that was a nice little callback. It was in 1929. The Borley Rectory was visited by Harry Price, a famous paranormal investigator who was able to put some validation behind the sightings and prove the rumors that were going around local pubs that the rectory was, in fact, the, quote, most haunted house in England. When he stepped inside the home, the activity increased exponentially. He reported messages from spirits, objects being thrown, but as soon as Harry left, so did the activity. Harry said that his... What time frame was it? What time period was this in? This was the 1929. So this is at the height of the spiritualist movement. So you have to remember that. Like, there's a bunch of grifters Mm -hmm. that are like, oh... Oh, we'll get into it. Yeah, okay. We're going to get into it. 
Harry said that his visit was, quote, a day to be remembered even as an experienced investigator. 16 hours of thrills, end quote. He's a warren before the warrants. <laughs> Literally. In June of 1929, the Smiths left the rectory and were replaced in October of 1930 by Reverend Lionel Algernon Foister and his wife Marianne and their daughter Adelaide. The Foisters would stay in the home for the next five years, and over the course of those years, they would compile a rather long list of paranormal experiences that they endured. They sent this file to Harry Price, whose interest in the home only grew as the years passed. They reported the breaking of windows, strange writings that appeared on the walls, Adelaide being locked in a room where there was no key for, bottles and stones were thrown around the home by unseen forces, Marianne claimed that she was thrown from their bed and periodically attacked by unseen entities. It would be Marianne's name that would be written on the wall by these poltergeist types of haunts. Some of the messages that some of the messages said things like rest and mass prayers and whatnot in a kind of like hurried or manic kind of writing, like you did it like really quickly. Yeah, and it's like jumbled cursive essentially. Uh, a medium named Guy Lestrange. Cool name. That's mm-hmm. very foreshadowing. Uh, paid a visit to Borley Rectory, and he wrote about this about his time there. It says, quote, Later, being entertained by the rector and his wife, he heard for the first time of mysterious forms, <clears throat> male and female, being seen inside and outside the house, of lights in unoccupied rooms, of articles appearing and being thrown, of fires breaking out, of mysterious whisperings and unexplained writings on the walls and scraps of paper. Once the rector told him he was working alone in his study when he saw a pencil arise from the desk and scrawl words on the wall in front of him, no hand was visible. End quote. Yeah, fuck that. I'm, I'm out at that point. These claims made by Guy Lestrange are regarded as false. The Reverend Foister kept diligent accounts of the goings-on at the rectory, and there were no accounts of levitating pencils writing ghostly notes. So, hate An- to put... Another grifter. Yeah, hate to burst your bubble there, dude. <laughs> the notes were how the Foisters communicated with the spirit that inhabited their home. It started on pieces of paper, and then years later, it moved to being written on the walls. The couple asked what the ghost wanted, and it replied with, rest. Allegedly. It later comes out that Marianne had been using her claims of paranormal experiences to cover up a sexual affair with their lodger, Frank Peerless. Oh, shit. So she's just like, oh, I need rest. Well, that and um, covering up the footsteps and the noises Mm. and things like that. The Foisters left the rectory in 1935 and the home remained empty for some time. In 1937, Harry Price, the paranormal investigator, 
returned and took up residence in the home for about a year. He gathered up a group of 48 people, which was mostly made up of students, and conducted various experiments in the home and recorded accounts of what they considered to be paranormal events. Harry brought in several mediums (coughs) and conducted many seances. On March 27, 1938, a medium named Helen Glanville was allegedly successful in making contact with a nun and an unidentified male spirit. The oh, shit. So, Ooh. the monk is there, Ooh. allegedly. 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 The rectory burned to the ground on February 27, 1939, but that didn't stop the paranormal activity. Allegedly. Allegedly. Also, the male spirit from Helen's seance predicted the fire. No shit. Allegedly. The rectory had a new owner now. His name is Captain W.H. Gregson. He was moving into the home when he knocked over an oil lamp and set the whole home ablaze. There was no saving the rectory. The fire was an accident, but the insurance deemed Captain Gregson's actions deliberate and the home was left alone, not to be rebuilt. So what, they're like, oh, you're committing insurance fraud, fuck you. I guess he tried to be like, no, like I just knocked over my old lamp. And they're like, nope, sorry. It's arson, you're going to jail now. <laughs> well, he, I, I don't know if he went to jail, but he had renamed the home the Priory. And had aspirations to turn it into a tourist stop with all of its history and whatnot. But his dreams were never able to be achieved because he wasn't able to rebuild the home. Worst businessman ever. Literally. The fire didn't keep Harry Price away, though. He came back to one of the writings about Marianne. He believed one read, quote, the well tank bottom me. Or, quote, the well tank bothers me. Which he was sure that this was a message from the nun who had been bricked in alive back in the late uh, 1300s. And he was hopeful that her body would finally be found and bring the rectory's history to a close. Bones were indeed found at the bottom of the well. Mm. No shit. They were pig bones. Spoiler alert. Bummer. What a fucking, ah, goddammit. But that didn't stop Harry from his own little narrative of the history of the Borley Rectory. Uh, He tried to find churches in Borley. Uh, Well, maybe not churches, but like Christians, I guess, or whoever, uh, to bury these bones. And they're like, no, No, we're not doing that. But he did find a church in Liston that would bury the bones. In Harry's book, The End of Borley Rectory, written in 1946, he wrote the finding and the burying of the bones a little differently than it actually happened. um, Part of it says, quote, The bones, part of a human jaw and a skull, popularly thought to be the mortal remains of Marie Lair, the ghost of the nun who haunted, or still haunts, the rectory site were placed in a wooden box and lowered into a small hole dug by the rector earlier in the day. End quote. 
The rectory was demolished in 1944, but still, that didn't keep old Harry away from the property. He went to the site with Cynthia Ledsham, and his research, who was his researcher and a photographer. They weren't able to get close to the home while the demolition was going on, but they did get some photos as the demo was going on. Once the photos were developed, one photo caught their eye. It was part of the home, um, which I later found out that it was like the kitchen, bathroom mm-hmm. area, um, of what appeared to be a brick in midair. They spun it as the brick was levitating, not falling from the ongoing demolition. Dude, I love paranormal researchers. They're, like, they're so they're either like super into it and like want to find out the truth, or they're fucking Harry Price. Or they're they're here to make money off of every yeah. fucking thing. Harry said in the end of Borley Rectory about the photo. As Mr. Sherman, Skirman, whatever, pressed the trigger which operated the shutter mechanism of his camera lens, a brick or part of a brick suddenly shot up about four feet into the air in front of what remained of the kitchen passage, which I'm assuming means a hallway, just below the bathroom passage. The three of us saw it, and as I said, we were at least a hundred feet away from it. We all laughed and called it the last phenomenon and said the poltergeists were demonstrating in honor of our visit. End quote. So theatrical. I know. Like, I, dude, I had to do it that way. This is like some Sean Manchester bullshit. Literally. So the floating brick is the most easily dismissed of Harry's claims. Oh, well, yeah. It was a falling brick and they just happened to catch a still. And like, oh, it's yeah. levitating. It's floating. Ooh. Not the ongoing demolition you were watching. Can't be that. In in 1956, three of Harry's peers got together and created the Haunting of Borley Rectory, which argued that most of Harry's claims were deliberately faked. Well, no shit. I mean, the guy is like part of that spiritualist movement. He knew how much money you could make off of. This type of shit. Yeah. And he's he saw a paycheck. And I, I mean, look, most of these guys that do this, like, big time paranormal investigation shit, they're doing it for the paycheck. Or, like, what you see on Discovery Channel or Travel Channel or whatever. Yeah. They got to play that shit up for the camera. Oh, for sure. That way, that that's how you get advertisers. Yeah. It's all about that ad money. I wonder if that's why Destination Fear got canceled on Discovery. Mm, I heard some shit about that, but I don't want to get I don't want to get into it. It's kind of a volatile thing. I mean, I heard a bunch of stuff because I love Destination Fear. Yeah, they're doing good though on like what YouTube now. Yeah, they're back on YouTube. That's where they yeah. started. So it was YouTube and Dakota won that like contest or whatever. Yeah. So I, I, I always like their product. Yeah, like, they it seems way more authentic than all the other, other shows. Yeah. Marianne, the wife of uh what was it, Eric? Guy Eric Smith. Uh 
later came out and admitted that her claims were also fake and that she never experienced anything paranormal in the home. Because she was a slut. Mm. I'm just kidding. Mm. Uh, not really, though. She was cheating on her husband, so. Yeah, she was an adulteress. In 2000, Louis, or Louis, whichever, Mayerling, released a book titled We Faked the Ghosts of Borley Rectory. And in that book, he threw some serious shade on the whole ordeal. An article in The Guardian reported that Lewis had considered the rectory a second home until it burned down. He said, quote, I would love to say that there was a grain of truth in it all, but I felt that the book had to be written to reveal the nonsensical truth about the house as personally experienced. Lewis described secret passages and, the ser- and that the servants and children were all in on the prank all throughout history. He also said that when Reverend Lionel Foister took over in the 1930s, that he and his family were struggling financially, as were most in the 30s. They figured that if they kept the, the rectory's ghostly mystery alive, that it could help them. This sounds very much like the fucking Lutzes at mm-hmm. Amityville. Yeah. I'm just getting like Ed and Lorraine Warren, just PTSD <laughs> off this whole thing. The Foisters had a water heater installed in the home. Lewis explained that made knocking, loud knocking sounds that the couple claimed terrified them. They even encouraged Lewis to take walks in the gardens at dusk in a black cape with the collar turned up when the tourists were there so that the legend of the headless ghost could live on. In Lewis's book, he talked about one, of the, one incident that he, even he couldn't explain. It was Easter of 1935, and uh, Lewis, along with George Bernard Shaw, the famous Irish playwright, Sir Montague Norman, the governor of the Bank of England, Bernard Spilsbury, who was a criminal forensic scientist, and Marianne Foister, who was Lionel, it was Lionel's wife, not Eric Smith. Uh, they attended a seance at the Borley Rectory. The group sat in silence in a dimly lit cellar on the grounds at midnight, like at a table. And when all of a sudden they heard bells being rung in the kitchen. It was set up as kind of like a, a booby trap in case anybody like came in. Yeah. Uh, they went to investigate and they found no one up there and there was no way to fake something like that because they had like a what I envisioned to be like a little trail of them. Not just, like, a string of them, you know? Huh. Uh, He said, quote, Norman jumped up, and there was a lightning strike of silver-blue light, which appeared to implode from all walls and the ceiling of the cellar, and then there was dead silence. George had been in the process of pushing a box of matches diagonally across the table, and Norman was half off his half off his chair in a turning position but every member of the seance was struck within an with an instant paralysis which lasted about five seconds lewis said that he was blinded temporarily but later regained sight in one eye he goes on to say quote i can't explain that occurrence and to be honest it still makes me feel rather shaken the rest of the hauntings were, without exception, the most successful hoax of the age. 
But that still sets my spine tingling. So, out of just, everything. Oh, just, go ahead. I just listened. I didn't really say anything because I was just listening to this because it was like, it was like listening to like a ghost story, like for the first time. That's, I mean. That's kind of how I felt. Like, even just like, even reading it and reading it and then watching it and then Sam reading it, it still sounded like a ghost story. You're like, oh shit, what's going to happen next? I mean, this is a great oh, story. Like the <laughs> What's going to happen next? <laughs> it, it, well, it's constantly up and it, I, When I picked from door one, two, and three, four did not. Four entered the chat, and I was not ready for it. Nope. To me, it's like this is a phenomenal ghost story. I love it, and that's why we picked it for uh, spooky season this year. Because it's like, you know, why not? Um. And there was some stuff I hadn't even heard of that you. Found. I like a good unexplained so. when it comes to paranormal. They don't have an explanation to it, and they're like they can't explain it away with like wind and whatever. And I like that. Well, here's wanna... the, here's my approach to it. Right, if you go out looking for paranormal shit, eventually you'll fucking find it. Yeah, I don't think you have to look that far. No. So. You have a better chance of actually finding shit if you're genuinely looking for it than trying to figure out how to fake and grift your way to to money. Or you could just join me at the Goodwill and I will show you the stuff that. Yeah, go shopping with Christian at Goodwill if you really want. Whatever I pick up is hundred percent going to be haunted. I believe that. Yeah. And I'm going to have to Facetime Eric and say, "Can I get this or not?" And he's going to say no. The answer is always always no. He always says no. Always. always Except for the chairs. Fun sucker. Which may or may not have seen it. Not malevolent attached to him, but. I mean, we had that one instance here. And nothing's happened since then. Nothing ever happened since. Since the watch thing? No. Oh, since the knocking. Yeah, that's what she's talking about. The watch. Yeah, where I thought it was your watch just vibrating on the desk. No, it wasn't that. It It wasn't. Straight up knocking. It was it was freaky as fuck. And it uh, was like the week that we got those chairs. Well, it was also a blood moon eclipse that night, which I think who nothing, knows what if that there does. is anything attached to those, it's not malevolent. It well, has no then inch. there's the the ghost mirror Halloween decoration that has its sensor set off by itself sometimes here. That it hasn't happened since when I've been here since the first time. It well, did because it. I haven't left it on. It does do that though. Oh. It will set itself off. Like, when it's turned off? No, no. when it's on. Oh. When it's on, nothing will be going on up here, and it will just randomly go off But on its own. Yeah. As far as Borley Rectory goes, though, I want to believe so bad. Like, so bad do I want to believe this, like, the events that happen. It's, it's just so good. It's really fucking good. I think when they start bringing, like, I wish that... I wish with, like, ghost stories that they would just let them be ghost stories and they wouldn't bring in, like, investigators. Sometimes, sometimes, <coughs> investigators and seances and all kinds of shit to, like... Well, everybody wants to attach their name to it. Yeah, I wish they wouldn't do that. I wish they would just, like, be, like, in the, you know... I don't want to say the olden days, but, like, just, like, let it be scary. Let it be scary. Like... Let it be freaky and scary. That's, that's what you need to do. Just... 
leave it alone. Let yeah, it do just leave thing. it alone. It, it's not hurting you. It, I yeah, mean, but there then may how do you make money off of it? Well, that's the problem. Ghosts don't give a fuck about money. That's the problem. Sam just threw her phone down. Yep. She's so mad. I didn't throw my phone. I moved my leg. I feel like that a lot of times with like that's why like and and we're victims of it as ourselves. Like we watch them like on you know they make documentaries about it that we will watch and we're like whoa hold on and then as soon as they start the seance stuff i i get immediately annoyed because i'm like why why fuck with them don't yeah, just the leave it alone don't forget the spirits they don't want to be fucked with i promise you they don't have the slightest bit to want to talk to you about the only reason why they're going to talk to you is because it's entertainment for them at that moment and it may be entertainment with a very calm easy spirit and it may not I feel like if you're doing shit with a Ouija board, nine times out of ten you're gonna let you're gonna find what's something it? that you don't want to. What's that talk phrase to? of like leave well enough alone? Yeah, yep. that's kind of where I feel like with spiritual yep. and any kind of paranormal. Yep. If it ain't fucking with you, leave it the hell and alone. There was hell probably yeah. some serious weird shit going on at this house yes. originally. There's and a lot of negative energy. They're, they're definitely, like, there's groundwork for this. This isn't just 100% fabrication. No. No. Now, once, like, people realize, oh, I can make money if I attach my name to this, then, yeah, then shit starts getting played up, and that's that's where it just discredits a lot of shit, and it ruins a lot of good haunted locations because of people like this that are just taking advantage. What happened to the days of, like, just, like, really simple stuff that just like freaked you out of like watching a video of a cup move or a cupboard open or something like that. Now it's like so fabricated into like a, an oblivion that it doesn't, yeah. even, it doesn't even feel scary anymore, I'm, but you've literally like beat it into the ground where it's not scary anymore. Dude. Some of my favorite videos of that guy in England who has a poltergeist in his house. That's yeah. like his roommate. Yeah. And he'll just like leave glasses out and they'll just shatter and shit. Yeah. It'll be will like, open I and, think I've yeah. seen him. Yeah. 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 What, what's his name? Like yellow bird something. Yeah. Uh, I've, I we know. watched him on paranormal cotton tape, but he hasn't, I do like paranormal cotton tape because they don't actually like, they just like show the videos of like what happened. And then they do like an explanation of it, of what they think it is. And then they move on to the next video. I'm okay with that. I yeah. love that. But that's going to do it for us guys. Uh, Christian, do your thing. We love you guys so much. Thank you for joining us for another year of spooky season. We love you guys. Uh, make sure you guys are following us on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Twitter, all the things. Make sure you guys are downloading and sharing the show. <gasps> I have the hiccups right now. I'm trying to get in between them. Um, make sure you guys have your auto downloads on. Those are super, super important. And they let us know what you guys think. Um, if you just listen to the episode, that's great. And we love you for that. But please download the show. It helps us out so, so much. And we appreciate it when you do it. And also leave us reviews. We like reading them on the air. And if you're on Spotify as a listener, you can now interact with the episode and let us know what you think of it. And I've gotten some really nice Aww. comments and whatnot. Yeah, um, I'm glad they're nice. So that's, that's really cool. Uh, you guys really like the tinfoil hat episode that we did. Um, I've gotten some really good feedback on that. And we will definitely do that probably once a quarter. So... Uh, yeah, and 
Till next week, guys. Stay creepy. And spooky. And stay safe. Later. Later. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.